Well, as you turn back to Ephesians 5, Ephesians chapter 5. Um, well, actually, let's turn to Genesis 3 first. Do you like that when you get sent someone then shifted back right away? Genesis 3, <coughs> verse 1 through 5. Now the serpent... Excuse me, I have a tickle that I can't get rid of. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it lest you die and the serpent said to the woman you surely shall not die for God knows that in the day you eat from it in your eyes your will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil <clears throat> in the very beginning in the garden the interaction between uh, the devil the interaction between the serpent and mankind we really see the game plan. We see the strategy laid out and that same strategy and that same game plan will be used over and over and over again. And that is to, to create doubt, create doubt. And so you can see here as the, the serpent is questioning and the questions seem you know innocuous and uh, you know, just very casual and not harmful. But, but they're questions that are leading you down a path. They're questions that are trying to trick you, right? And we've, we've all been in that kind of situation before. And before you know it, you're getting a little tongue-tied and, you know, you're saying, well, wait, wait, no, no, that's not what I think. And so the, the devil creates doubt. The devil um, <clears throat> distorts the truth, then denies what God's word is. Um, Ultimately, we'll get to the point of denouncing God and God's word. And it'll all be done through deceit and deception, through deceit and deception. So we'll say, well, the devil is in the details, right? The devil's in, in the details. Well, we're going to be talking about, about marriage. And <clears throat> you may think, wow, that's a, an interesting and weird way to start. <laughs> um, but there's, there's a point and, you know, for anybody who's been married for any length of time, um, yeah, marriage is combative and violent and um, there's blood, there's sweat, there's tears, there's pain, there's struggle. It's hard. <laughs> and it's awesome. It's fantastic. Uh, I can't think of anything better than than being married for a longer period of time. I, I, you know, I, Susan and I were, you know, met and married in eight months. You know, I, we, we didn't wait very long. And really the only thing I regret is that we didn't get married sooner. Um, and I just can't, can't imagine, you know, the next 30 years without her. Um, and yet it is a battle and it is, blood, sweat, and tears, and there's a lot of things going on. And it's, it's that hard that, that makes it great. And, and marriage is great, and it is awesome. But, but there's, a, <clears throat> there's an opponent out there. There's an opposition. And, and we have to understand that. And one of the kind of the, the, the hovering things that ha is happening here, especially in America, and and, and let me be clear, th this is not a, a political statement at all. But this idea of, of feminism, this idea of feminism, you guys, you know, we, we've talked about things like psychology and philosophy. And, you know, and I've, I've reminded you that, look, if, if psychology and philosophy were the same as the Bible, then why don't they let us in, right? They are clearly recognizing our belief system is different than yours. Keep your Bible out of psychology. Keep your Bible out of philosophy. Well, if, if they're taking that position, why are we trying to bring them into our Bible? It's the same thing when you think of, of, of feminism. The, the, the point 
of feminism then is it's to turn so much attention to to then the the, the feminist movement. It, in fact, what it does, and I mean, I I didn't invent this, but it's it's the battle of the sexes, right? What, what do you mean battle? Well, I'm, my my marriage is not a battle. Now we we have fights. But that's not the point of our marriage, right? We're in this together. It's a we, not a battle. If you have that position, which is exactly the position of the feminist movement, me first, women first, men evil, right? Well, then you're, you're failed to destruction. And that's not even getting into the, <clears throat> the real de details. By definition, it is counter-biblical. Counter-biblical. The, the ideology is completely an unbiblical ideology, and it has absolutely no place in the church. But it's in the church. And part of it is because, well, as, as sinful humans, uh, we make those mistakes. And, and I will say, and the, one of the main reasons why it's in the church is because there's a lot of sinful men in the church. There's a lot of sinful men who have not been good leaders, who have not been godly leaders, who have not been biblical men. And so it, it starts there with a, a, a lack of, of biblical headship and leadership. And so the finger can easily be pointed, well, yeah, but that guy did it wrong. I can't follow that guy, right? Um, this has nothing to do with the idea of, of equal rights. There, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither Greek uh, you know, nor, nor Jew. There's neither slave nor free, male or female. The Bible is crystal clear about that. This has nothing to do with an equality of rights. We, we are equal, especially under the eyes of God. But, but again, the, a, a movement like feminism always wants to like drive this wedge, drive a wedge between the two of us. It's not about respect and dignity. If there's no respect and there's no dignity, that's not biblical. So, so that, that, that's not a Christian ideology. No, you are always to be respectful and to show dignity. And the church does have a great history of doing that, especially in the, the movement of, of moving women forward um, in a non-feminist way. Just think about feminism for a second. <clears throat> what is feminism? What, what, what is, you know, if they were to come in here with, uh, you know, if you've ever been to a rodeo and you see them, they ride in and they've got the banners, right? And they come racing in, which is really cool, by the way. They come in there, you know, here's banner one. And it's, you know, they have the local advertisers. And so one by one, you see like, this is who's advertising the event. Well, you know, what would be on the, the feminist banner wearing? Okay, here comes the first one. They come running through. We're against purity. Oh, well, okay. Uh, we're not for monogamy. Um, we don't like marriage. We're against motherhood, especially homemaking. I mean, you really want to get them upset? Tell them that a homemaker is a great thing. Now think about that for a second. The, the most noble thing you can be is a homemaker, which by definition, you're making the home. You are the anchor of the home. And that's a bad and evil thing. Um, they're against Christianity for sure. And one of their leading advocacies is abortion. Um, make no mistake Feminism has no place in the church at all, at all. <clears throat> well, as we move forward, we, we, we're going to have to kind of er erase our minds with that and, and be biblical because we're, we're going to talk about something today that quite frankly is hard to hear for many because we've been so trained against it to where as soon as we hear it, it just sounds evil and wicked. And that is wives be submissive to your husbands. And, and right away, it's like, okay, I'm glad we don't go very long in this church because remember what we talk about all the time. When we come through the doors, 
All of us have to come and submit ourselves to Scripture. This is God's Word, not my Word. These are, this is not my quote. This is God's Word. And we have to yield and submit and say, you know what, I'm going to change and conform my ways to God's ways. And so we need to study this. And as we've been looking through Ephesians, and it, and it, it launches off, but with this you know, reminder in Ephesians, look, we're called to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Christ has called us. Christ died for us. So, verse 3, Ephesians 5, don't let immorality or impurity or greed even be a name among you. Those are old ways. Those are the ways we fight. We fight against filthiness. We fight against silly talk and coarse jesting. Now, we're, we're, we're serious about the things that come out of our mouths. Instead, give, give thanks. Be trained in being thankful and grateful. Um, for this, you know, with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the, in the kingdom of Christ and God. Look, the, the, there's a line. There are, are rules and laws to obey and not obey. You can't just do whatever you want and then show up and say, let me in to heaven. Um, I want to go there. No, it doesn't work that way. Verse 6, don't let anyone deceive you with empty words. Listen, I, I, I wish that everybody, that everybody would get to heaven. I certainly do not deserve heaven any more than a, than a murderer or, or a thief or any of that. I don't. Like the song says, I, I, I live by mercy. Um. And so it's a merciful God that allows me in. And so, yeah, I, I wish everybody would be able to get to heaven. But guess what? There's a hell. It's real. It exists. People go there. The good news, the great news is you don't have to. But, but, but what? Well, don't let people deceive you with empty words telling you that everybody's going. They're not. For because these things, the wrath of God comes upon who? The sons of disobedience, the people who continue to disobey in rebellion, in clenched fist. I will not follow. I will not obey. I don't want to be a part of you. Therefore, don't partake with them. Don't, we, we, don't, we, we don't have fellowship with that. That's like the, the feminist ideology. We, we don't have fellowship with that. The, the pillars don't align biblically. Um, so we don't have fellowship with that. You formally, remember we studied this, formally you were darkness, not you walked in darkness, which is, you know, it's not that, well, it's like, well, you, you're really good. You're really an awesome person. You just like accidentally walked into a bad patch of people or place. No, you're darkness. You're the one that it's like, whoa. Why? Well, because we're conceived in sin, we're desperately sick and wicked. We need that transformation that the Lord gives us. So we were formerly in darkness. Don't participate with unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. Verse 15, therefore be careful how you walk. Look, we're walking in minefields. Last week we talked about the, the saying the evil one is like a lion roaring about, hiding, seeking whom he can devour. The personification of, 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 of Satan as a, as a lion ready to attack you is real. Or if you prefer Ephesians 6, which we'll get to in a couple weeks, there's, he's sitting there like with flaming arrows. So as soon as he can see you around the corner, whoosh, ready to get you. We're in a battlefield, so be cautious, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of your time. Why? Days are evil. So then don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then we get into the, to the fun stuff. So we're called to be wise. Question of the day, how? What, what's wisdom? What is wise? What's good? What's bad? How shall I then live? How do I know what good and bad is? This is how I know from God's word. I know 
that this is God's word. I know that God breathed it, that he gave it to us. And so I know that how I live is going to be good and blessed and right if I keep and follow his word. If I want to get into like some other stuff, well, now we're walking into danger. Now there's some stuff that, you know, you're sitting there and I was sharing earlier with some, you know, that I remember being a teenager and not being a believer and sitting there and going, you know, how can we get away with doing wrong things? And literally plotting how to get out of it and how to do it. And then, you know, it's these things happen. And I don't want that rule. And I didn't like that one and this one and that one. It's like, listen, the Bible's not a buffet line. You don't get to pick and choose. Well, I don't like that one. Well, my friends are doing that. My best friends do this. I know somebody who did that and now they're okay. Um, look, there's consequences to disobedience. Again, God's gracious and merciful. And we don't all suffer the same consequence for the same law we break. Don't mistake that for, for thinking that you can do whatever you want to do. You just got lucky. God was gracious to you. Um, but sin is not a joke. It's not a game. It has a ripple effect. Some sins, for whatever reason, that ripple effect goes all the way across the lake. For other ones, it's, you know, like a can't, you know, just like one perfect dive, just one little ringlet. Um, but you got to be careful with that. And so Ephesians then is this practical example of teaching us, well, what is wise versus foolish? How do we walk? What does it look like? And it launches into, well, here's a couple like practical real life examples. First, you know what? Um, Verse 18, don't get drunk with wine for that's dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. Speak to one another in songs and hymns. And so we see kind of these two examples. Um, one's regarding, okay, this is how we drink. The other one's regarding, hey, this is how we sing and fellowship. And then there's this third piece now that's going to be expanded even more. And it's going to be on this issue of marriage. And, and we're going to be here for a little bit. And so for today, we're going to look at Four ways, four ways that wise wives, wives can be wise. Four ways wives can be wise. I didn't realize that was a tongue twister when I was writing that. Um, they can be wise as to the institution of wifedom. Yes, that is a, a word. I checked my Scrabble book. It's good. Um, as to the role of subjection, as to the role of... Uh, as to your own husband, and then as to the Lord. So um, let's read again, verse 22. Let's look at it. This is God's word. Hear God's word out loud. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. That's what we want to look at. Again, right before that, and we studied this before, be subject to one another. Why? In the fear of Christ, we're subject first to one another. This is the Christian way. This is the biblical way that we submit to one another. Well, how can that be? How can we submit to one another? What does that look like? Could there possibly be a good example for us to follow in that? How about Jesus? There's an example. Christ is our example. Remember in the garden in Matthew 26, nobody knows what's happening. The disciples don't know that Jesus is about to be betrayed, that Jesus is about to be beaten and whipped and punched and spat on and mocked and die on the cross. And Jesus goes before the Lord in prayer. Is there another way? Is there another way? No, there's not. Thy will be done. Jesus submits to the will and the authority of the Father. Jesus sets the tone in the example. Um, we see in, in Philippians 2, 5 through 8, we read this all the time. Why do we read it all the time? Well, until we memorize it and then live it perfectly, we're going to keep doing it. Why? Because it's such a powerful anchor. Have this attitude in yourselves. This is how you should think. This is how you should behave. 
in, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard, regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. I, I, I can't yield. I can't submit. I can't follow. Uh, Jesus did. Jesus emptied himself, taking on the form of a bond servant. Now, you think you don't like the idea of submitting to your husbands? Wrap that one on. You're a bond servant of your husband. Why don't we just change that? Maybe not. Um, you're a slave to your husband. How about that one? Because that's really what a bond servant is. You think you have problems with submission. Um, Jesus was a bond servant to you, to us. Made in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself. Humble yourself, humble yourself, humble yourself. We've been looking at the life of Christ and how he leads by example. Matthew 2, we just celebrated Christmas. Jesus comes, Emmanuel, God with us as a baby. Um, can't, doesn't get any more humble than that. From life to death, um, Jesus is the example. If Jesus can do it, you can do it, we can do it. And so what does that look like? Well, wives can be wise as to the institution. There is an institution of wifedom. We see that way back in Genesis chapter 1. Like any book, uh, the beginning of the book sets some parameters, some standards. In the beginning, the very first pages of Genesis, what do you have? Creation. You have God, the creator of the universe, showing, look, I'm God. What makes him God? Because he created the universe. He made the universe. He made the earth. He made stars, sky, you, me. He made it. It's his. We belong to him. He's the potter. We're the clay, right? What does he say? Because that's all that matters. All that matters is what the potter says. Who are you, O oh man, who answers back to God, right? Romans 9. Who do you think you are to challenge and question who I am? I made the earth. Okay, with that being said, let's make man. Why do I have to listen to God and read his word? Because he made you. He created you. Okay, verse 27 in the first chapter, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, in my wildest dreams, I never would have thought that in talking about this subject, the first thing I would have to explain is, what is a woman? But here we are. Um, and so, the institution of wifedom then is a union between a male and a female. Okay, well, what exactly is that? Well, let's start with this. They're not the same. It doesn't, um, look, I'm not a rocket scientist. I'm, a, I'm still a dumb jock, right? But there's two things being compared and contrasted here, a male and a female. They're two different things, okay? Different by creation, by God. We see this laid out through scripture. We see it in 1 Timothy 2, 8 and 15 and Titus 1, 2. When we see the, the leadership in the church and, and we see male and female, we see differences, we see roles, we see gifts in the differences. They're beautiful differences, but they're differences. They're not the same. We see in 1 Timothy 2, 15 that women bear children. Men do not, did not, have not, will not. Do not, ever not, don't. Again, you would think that was... Now, remember, we're battling an ideology here. The issue is the postmodern ideology. There is no absolute right. God created the heavens and the earth. He is the absolute being of the universe. He's the absolute moral being, absolute moral law maker. This is the, the, the essence of the ideology. If there is no absolute, if there is no absolute right or wrong, well, then what is right and wrong? It, it's all up for game. No, no, that, here we are. It's all up because then you have nothing. 
You, you have no foundation by which you would define what a male or a female even is. They don't know. But, but again, make no mistake, that, that's a, a foundational ideology of postmodernism. That's why you'll see it seeping in all over the place because that is their foundation. That's why it's completely the opposite of a biblical foundation. That's why we need to grip hard to scripture because um, it's tricky and deceptive because that's how Satan is, right? So we have women who bear children. We have husbands. And, and from the beginning in Genesis, uh, we see husbands work, husbands have function, husbands have jobs. We see that there's two genders, just basic ideology. The scripture is, it, this isn't new. There was a visual representation of this, Deuteronomy 22.5. Bands and outlaws cross-dressing. Okay, that's where it starts, right? Scripture's clear, don't do it, it's forbidden. Mentally, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 12. The, the, the Bible forbids the idea of being an effeminate man. You don't act like a woman. You don't dress like a woman. You don't act like a woman. And then Romans 1, 18 through 32 goes then to the physical and the actions. You don't, you don't turn yourself over that way. Now, again, to be clear, um, th th this is forbidden by God, but is no different than any other sin, Right? So, so we're not trying to make a case here that like, let's have a tangent here as though this is kind of the unforgivable sin because we get a chance to comment on it. No, it's, it's not biblical. It's not right. And it's a sin. Let's be clear. Um, but it can also be forgiven and repented from. Wives then and the institution of wifedom was created by God. Now, have you guys ever really thought about that? Think about that for a second. Where did marriage come from? Right here. This is where it came from. God created it. God created this institution. Again, who are you, old man, who thinks that you can change God's institution? You don't want to do marriage. You don't want to live by it. Do something else then. You go figure something out, but stop trying to hijack what God has instituted, which is marriage by definition. And it's a biblical covenant. It's a God-given institution. What does it look like? Well, we get a little glimpse in Genesis 2, verse 18. Then the Lord said, it's not good for a man to be alone. Why? Men are no good alone. They're just big children, immature. A man will not become a real man. It just doesn't work. Sorry. He needs a helper. It's essential for the completion. He'll be a better man. Now, yes, there's some who have the, the gift of singleness, but on the whole, the A1, God said it's not good for a man to be alone. I'm going to make him a helper. Notice the singular. He doesn't have many helpers. Okay. Um, it's one helper, one man suitable god ordained god given this man i love this phrase for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife the man actually leaves home to go then cleave to the wife now we tend to think of it the other way don't we that the the where the man is stealing the wife away from the family kind of a thing no it's the it's the man that leaves and then what does he do? He goes to his helper. He goes to his suitable helpmate. And the two become one flesh. Again, it's not battle the sexes. We're not against each other. We're for each other. And Ephesians 5 will go on to say, who hates his own flesh? We're, we're one flesh now. That's the union. In 1 Corinthians 7.39, this institutional wifedom is bound for life. The covenant that you make in marriage until death do us part. Do you realize it's the only covenant you're going to make in your life? And people go into that flippantly. Be careful with that. We talk about lines. What's the line? I don't know the line. I don't invent the line. I don't know how far going past the line is in life. I know one thing. Breaking covenants? No bueno. Um, 
We've looked at things that the Lord hates and detests. Our minds want to again wander to things like, oh, adultery and murder and homosexuality. It's like, no, God doesn't like lying lips and pride. Be careful how you evaluate what you think makes God really angry. God hates divorce. He hates it. Um, But marriage is hard and it's brutal. It is, it is, it is. Fight through it. Work on it. Fix it. Guess what? There's no perfect marriage outside those doors. We all may look pretty and clean and nice, especially in here. But out there, it's the octagon. Every house. You close the doors, can't get out. Let's go. And you work through it. And you know what? I was reminded this week, you you don't give an inch. You get in that silly argument. You get in that fight. And then you know what you do? You, you, You fix it that day. You don't let it fester. You don't, you don't let it get bigger and bigger because as the day goes on, as the days go on, as the weeks go on, as the years go on, now you got a problem. Yeah, you may have to give it a few minutes to just kind of cool down a little bit, but don't let the sun go down in your anger. Deal with it. Fight, fight to be the peacemaker. Well, God's, in, God's infinite wisdom to give us life, to give us joy. He created this institution of marriage. It's not good to be alone. It's bad. Well, wives can be wise, number two, as to the role of subjection. It's not just like, okay, so we have this thing called marriage and we're in it together and we'll just let that be that. No, we we have a role here. There's roles. There's this role of subjection. We, We studied this term in this word and subjection is it's it's a rank it's just a rank it's 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 again not a dignity thing uh, in in the greek it talks about this continuous action of attitude of 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 being submissive yielding to the other one not to exercise authority one has authority one doesn't one's responsible for those decisions and authority One's not. Let me tell you, it's not always that great to be the one that it's on you. Uh, When I was running the school, it was all fine and dandy, you know, a thousand uh, students and their parents and, you know, a hundred staff. And and nobody's going to sleep with the weight of of the budget and the school and the spiritual development and the academic development than me. I am carrying that burden. Um, Authority has... Um, has its, its, its difficulties as well. Input? Absolutely, yes. We're in a partnership together. Nobody runs a company, an organization, or a household by themselves. Uh, I mean, we, we, we can't decide on what we're going to eat tonight, right, without having some kind of conversation. You know, let's have tacos. It's not Tuesday. Can't do it. Um, you know? So, I mean, you know, we, we, we do this together. This submission is a, a, a yielding and, and, you know, Eve from the beginning is, is, is challenging this and fighting that. Um, how'd that work out for her? Not well. Who was blamed? Adam. So, so we get a, a sense of, well, how does this submission thing work? We get a sense right from the beginning that Adam is, is the head. Here's Eve, the helper in submitting. But in his headship, he's responsible. And we'll talk more about that in the the weeks to come. So the submission comes with obedience. Well, yeah, you're you're kind of giving me, you know, submission, obedience. Look, it's no different than what we've talked about before. The idea of like, you know, being coached or or led in in, in business. Um, We we all come under some kind of uh, submission, obedience to something. Uh, employers collaborate, coaches, parents, marriage. In, in, in Ephesians 5, you know, Paul could have gone a lot of different ways, but he, 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 in his example, he uses the, the marital relationship to explain and describe that. But we see this, and that's why it begins in verse 21 with, be subject to one another. You know what I mean. You do it every day, all over the place, in different functions. 
Jesus helps us to understand that. Understand, look, everybody can't lead. Otherwise, you'll just go around in circles, right? I want to go right. You want to go left. Worse than going around in circles and just getting in an argument where you can't get anywhere because you want to do one thing, they want to do the other. Well, how about going separate ways? That's not good either, right? Somebody has to come to a defining moment. This is what we're doing. Thank you for your input. I'll be responsible. And we follow again Jesus's pattern. And it's no mystery that Jesus tells us, live like this. Matthew 16, 24, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. That's our pattern. Deny yourself, be humble, right? We read it in Philippians 2. Empty yourself, deny yourself, take up your cross, that that ability, the willingness to physically yield. And at the end of the day, just follow me. Be like Jesus. When you're in the middle of that, that battle or argument, just, just remember in the back of your head, be like Jesus. I'm not being like Jesus right now. They're definitely not being like Jesus. Don't worry about them. Worry about you. You fix you first and you be like Jesus. Well, wives can be wise, number three, as to your own husband. Again, once again, we see singular, your own husband, your own husband. Marriage is God-given. We saw that in Genesis 1. between a man and a woman. Every biblical exhortation, every biblical command is one husband, one wife. Well, wait a minute. I've read the Bible. Uh, there's like some interesting situations in there of polygamy. Those were, and this is again, one of the things that we love about the, the scriptures. The scripture in showing the history of mankind is, is going to show truth. And when man sins and when man's disobedient, God will show us that too. And God does show us that there were uh, husbands and, and marriages that were polygamy and those never turn out well. Those are always bad and never ordained by God. By God's ordination, you have one husband, one wife. That's why Again, when establishing the actual law in the scripture, the Ten Commandments, that's why adultery is forbidden. Because you have one husband and one wife. That's why the idea of even looking at your neighbor's wife is forbidden. So, so the idea that there's ever a, a, a biblical uh, mandate or okay for that is, is just not true. We're called to be devoted to one another. And again, remember the qualifications of leadership. They make that a point. They make it a point for two reasons. Yeah, it happened. In the ancient world, that was a thing. In a lot of pagan religions, that's what they did. And that's why Israel is constantly reminded, don't be like them. Don't dress like them. Don't eat like them. Don't practice marriage like them. And so they're called to be separate. And this in marriage is one of the one of the key issues. We see that a, a wife is to to be subject to her own husband. Notice what it doesn't say. You, you're not commanded and called to like be subject to all men. Whew. That's a good one, right? Well, Part of that is, and part of the danger of being in the workforce and out there is, you know, all of a sudden now you, the wife is being, putting herself under subjection to other men. That happens all the time. And, and you know, that's a dangerous thing. You, a lot of unhealthy relationships come about that way. You have somebody else as a, as, as a head, bringing in their, their philosophies, their ideas, um, Revealing their unhealthy marriages, ex-marriages, lifestyles, all this kind of stuff. Um, influencing, being an emotional rock. Yeah, the guy at work never tells you, you know, the truth. <laughs> he never gets on you about, you know, certain things. And so it's like, well, he's always kind and nice and, you know, is there for me. Yeah. Um, that's not realistic. It's not a realistic relationship and, and, and it's a dangerous thing. You have your own husband. That's who you 
can be subject to. Not everybody. You're not called to be submissive to everybody, every male in the universe. Um, and so keep that in mind. Um, and that's a good thing. You're called to give your gifts, your talents to your family. We see this laid out perfectly in, in Proverbs 31. Not, not as like this is what every wife has to do, but in the Proverbs 31 woman, it's like this amazing person with all these skills and talents and gifts gives those for the blessing of her family, not for outside people. Um, well, finally, wives can be wise as to the Lord. Wives, be subject to your own husbands. Now, that would be an entirely different sentence and an entirely different meaning if it didn't include as unto the Lord. That changes everything. The object of your affection, the object of your love, the object of your submission is not that guy. It's God. It's God. And so you're not submitting to him. In reality, you're submitting to the Lord. Okay, but he's not good. He's bad. He's all these different things. True. You're not submitting to that. You're submitting to the Lord and you will be blessed even though he's imperfect in these areas. Some people are married to unbelievers and they're called to win them over in quietness. Think about that. God will bless you when you follow his word. There's a blessing in there. Remember, some blessings take a long time. I wish everything was like the microwave, you know, go in there, beep, boop, 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 beep. 30 seconds later, come on, get faster. Come on, let's go. Things take time. And, and, and it's, it, this is why we want to be careful when we're, who we pick and who we get married to at the very, very beginning, right? Because 10 years later, um, it's a little bit more difficult. But remember, the object of our affection is the Lord himself. So 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you eat or whether you drink, or whether you're being submissive to your husband, do it for the glory of God. That's the chief end of all mankind, right? The first thing you learn in, in catechism. What is your purpose? Glorify God. How do I glorify God? Well, in what you eat and drink. Huh. There's responsibility in that. Amen, there is. Um, and whatever you do in your marriage, your marriage is a place that you can give glory and honor to God and how you function in that marriage, how you are obedient in that marriage to the Lord. And for wives, that includes being subject to your own husbands. You don't worship your husband. You don't fear your husband. Remember in verse 21, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ, not the fear of one another, not the fear of your husband, not as unto your husband, as unto the Lord. And yeah, you know what? There's a lot of peer pressure right now. Society does not like this setup. God instituted, instituted a blessing of marriage. He set it up and designed it just so, just like this. And you know what? Surprise, the world hates it. Maybe even more importantly, as we violate it in our sinfulness, right? we're called to walk by the spirit and not the flesh. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not seek its own. Love does not keep account of wrong suffered, is not arrogant. Well, when we violate that, we make it hard to believe that this is true, right? But that's not God. That's us. That's us not doing, filling our responsibility. Well, when we do live the way God calls us to, marriage is so easy. How have you ever been in that place where you're like, marriage is so easy. It's crazy. Why do we ever argue anyway? I'm never going to get in an argument again. I'm probably about... Go. Again, it's going to happen. 
when, when, when we actually follow God's word, when we're not arrogant, when we're kind, when we have self-control, when we do those things, it's beautiful. It's amazing. It's easy. It's only when we violate that that we make this look out to be a lie. And then we just feed right into the hands of, again, you know, well, you know, marriage isn't really good. Well, yeah, I mean, looking at what's going on right now, yeah, I think they're right. Um, you don't want to submit to the bad man, right? Again, we're, we're right back into the garden with Satan and the deception. He creates the doubt. Marriage isn't really good. You don't need it. What's the, what's the point? He'll distort it. He's submitting to this bad guy. Why? He's a sinner and he does jerky things. Uh, so you know what? Here's the denial part to deny this institution. You don't need it. You don't need this. You know what? In fact, denounce it. This whole thing, this whole male patriarchy thing is evil. And then the deceit. You don't want to be selfless. You don't want to be humble. You don't want to yield. What you need to do is, is, is think about you first. Think about yourself first. The most evil thing ever devised was, was that brainwash. Secular humanism. You, 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 you're the most important thing on this earth. You want to be miserable? Be selfish. Think of yourself all the time. You want to be miserable? Go look in the mirror and just stare at yourself. And it won't take very long. You'll hate everything about yourself. It's just not good to focus on yourself at, at all by any means. Um, but yet this is what especially young women are taught. This is what we see. This is the model again of, of feminism. But no, we're called to follow and obey the Lord. So how can I be subject to my own husband? Because I do it as unto the Lord. Jesus himself showed me a pattern of subjection. If he did it, I can do it. If it's a good thing for him, it can be a good thing for me. I'm not sure. I don't know exactly how this is laid out, but you know what? I'm going to keep reading on. I, I want to know more about this because this is, this is radical, right? Isn't this funny? This is written 2000 years ago and all of a sudden now this is radical again. So wives be subject to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Boo! For the husband is the head of the wife. Boo! As Christ is also the head of the church. Yeah, okay, yeah, I like that one. He himself being the savior of the body. Yeah! But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their, their husbands in everything. Boo! Husbands, love your wives. Okay, yeah, good. Um, just as Christ also loved the church. Yeah, okay, it's getting better. And gave himself up for her. What? Husbands. God is... Husbands. God has called your wives to be submission to you. That is not to be taken lightly. That in, in your headship... In your responsibility, think about that for a second. She is going to put all this faith and all this trust in God's word to, to turn to you and go, you know what? I'm going to trust you, even though I know you. <laughs> Guys, you know what you're going to do? You're going to do your best to be like Jesus as a head a sacrificial leader, a servant leader. And then you're going to give yourself up for her, even if that means dying. Verse 26, you're going to sanctify her. You're going to cleanse her by the washing of water with the word. And he might present himself to church in all her glory, presenting her back to Christ with no spot, no wrinkle, holy and blameless for no one ever hates his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes just as Christ does the church. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and the two shall be one flesh. Now that I can get aboard on. If you're going to be like this Jesus. And if you're going to lead our relationship with that, then you know what? I will 
humbly yield to you and your authority and your headship. Let's go. But you're going to do it if he doesn't either. And that's hard. And you know what? He's, even if this is his own mandate, even this is what his heart's desire is, even though this is what he's trying to do every single day, he will fail sometimes because he's a sinner. But we do it all as unto the Lord. We do it as unto the Lord. As sinners, we're going to disappoint each other. But in God's wisdom, keep sticking to the program and keep calling him to, you know what? Here's, here's, our, here's our mandate. Our mandate is, here's how we're going to keep each other accountable. We're going to live by the Spirit in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. We're going to live by the Spirit. And you know what? Even if we catch one another in a trespass or sin, you know what we're going to do? We're going to restore each other. See, too many times we look at these verses and we're always just thinking about, yeah, those guys over there, them, the church as a whole. No, personalize this. This is how we live individually. This is how we live with other people. This is how we live with our spouses. Live with your spouse in this way, that when we do break trust, because that's what we're doing when we sin, then we're going to restore one another in a spirit of gentleness. And that's something we got to work on too, right? <laughs> I'm right, so it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, just do it. It's got to be kind, got to be patient, got to be gentle. And if you do it, even when you mess up, it'll reinforce itself because the principle is rock solid. The principle is rock solid. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word and the great reminder.